Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, and use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, October 6th. We're chatting challengers on today's show, breaking down the four events happening across the globe with Crack Rackets contributor Damian Koost. We talk about the players we'll be watching most closely, those with many points to defend at the end of this season, those with the opportunity to make a big rankings push here to end the year. Of course, we also talk about the most interesting results to date, offer a few predictions along the way as well. It is a fantastic show. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy of course, before we get to it, just have to remind all of you listeners, the reason these episodes are made possible day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Tennis Point. You all know the deal, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. I will also mention we have previewed Indian Wells over on our Great Shot podcast feed. I talked about the women's event with Tennis Channel and Tennis.com editorial producer. Producer David Kane. I talked about the men's event with co-host of three, a tennis show, a fellow Tennis Channel Podcast Network show, and tennis journalist Amy Lundy. If you missed either of those episodes, you can find them on the Great Shot Podcast feed wherever you listen to your website or on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, we'll have mini break podcasts day in, day out, covering the action over in Indian Wells. Match of the day segments for our Patreon family, previewing my favorite match each day. If you're interested, interested in that, interested in supporting our efforts, head on over to crackrackets.com to learn more. Of course, we'll also have GSP Ace of the Day picks previewing each of the day's action on the Great Shot podcast feed, so be on the lookout for all of our Indian Wells coverage over the next 10 days. But with all that said, let's get to it. Chatting Challengers with Damien Koost. 
Joining us on the podcast today to talk Challenger Tennis is a guest many of you listeners will be familiar with as he is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket Show's host of the Monday Great Shot podcast episode focusing on all things ATP Challenger Tour. You also know him as a writer for our website, crackrackets.com. You know him as a writer for Last Word on Tennis as well. I know him as my friend Damian Coos. Damian, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, hey, yeah, I'm fine, but I guess you're doing better. <laughs> I it, is, it is a good day, and I have to say there's nothing that makes me feel like I'm going back to my roots than talking Challenger Tennis here on my 26th birthday. So I appreciate you entertaining me on this day. Shout out to Juan Pablo Varias as well. Westoff, can I get a happy birthday sound effect for him? I do feel like, and I know I tweeted this out, but I do feel like the tennis gods were deciding on October 6th. They're like, all right, both of these play- people could be really into tennis. We're going to let one of them play it really well. We're going to let the other one talk about it pretty decently. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll be on the talking side of that equation. But happy birthday to him. I do feel like it's a sign. People born October 6, 1995 should just be in the tennis world. All of that is to say, tennis fans out there, Damien, have been wondering all week, well, I have four days till the start of Indian Wells. What should I be doing? Of course, here at Crack Rackets, we've been telling them, go watch the Challenger Tour. And we say that every week, but it's another week where we have four events spread out across the globe, three of them in Europe, one of them, I believe, over in South America It means you've got tennis essentially 24-7 throughout the day, regardless of where you live. And you always have to love when it's early October and we have such a variety of surfaces, right? You've got the clay court events. You've got the indoor hard courts as well that just seem to be playing so freaking fast over in France. It makes for a fun contrast. And, of course, what we want to do on today's episode is run through those four challengers, talk about the notable results thus far, talk about the players we are watching most closely. I think we have to start today's conversation, Damien, in France because you look at, I suppose, the results we've seen thus far on the week. The biggest upset has come over in France as top seed Benjamin Bonzi knocked out by Mats Rosenkranz. Rosenkranz, a 7-6, 6-4 win. The 23-year-old lefty, I mean, I think it's unequivocal. This is the biggest win of his career. First over a top 100 opponent, of course, for Bonzi. He's won six challengers this year. And I think the question I want to start today's conversation with is, did he just look a little gassed? to you in that match, Damien, because watching it, A, ton of credit goes to Rosencrantz. The lefty made the most of that quick surface, but it just felt like, I, I go back to a match, I think it was two weeks ago against Arthur Rindernesh, maybe three weeks ago, where he lost yeah. that first set uh, tiebreaker, 7-6 in the semifinal they were playing, comes back in three sets to win that match. That Bonzi and this Bonzi were not the same people. Yeah, that was three weeks ago. But actually, I mean, he 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 really got a lot of rest in the past three weeks, which it's obviously true. was very required. But I mean, first round, second round, first round, and that that first first round um, against Rusevori in Nur Sultan was only one set as well. So I I honestly didn't expect Bonzi to have any sort of issues with this. Uh, it's always going to be hard to judge whether this was more on Rosenkranz or Bonzi, but obviously the the, the quickness of the surface plays uh, like it it really was an important factor here. It's not like Rosenkranz is suddenly going to win this probably because his game is absolutely huge. 
uh, his serve worked great, like 18 aces, I think, against Bonzi, over two sets as well, which which is, I guess, a score that you don't usually get to. Uh, but it also is a, a game where he doesn't really have a lot of margins and he pretty much risks it all on every shot. Uh, maybe not every, but I mean most of them. And he, I guess Bonzi just being kind of worn out. It's, it's also an interesting point because he, he played 15 matches over 21 days, I believe, when he won when he won these three in a row. And he he didn't even feel the effect the effect of that in Ren was the, I think was the was the was the last challenger that you mentioned like, the match against Rindernach, but he's feeling them now three weeks later. Even though right now for for a professional tennis player in the past three weeks he's barely been playing, so that's but that, that's to, also to push an... back. I think that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense, right? Because you have the run of adrenaline where first you've won your first event in a row, and let's be clear, these guys are professional athletes they're fit as a fiddle they can play two weeks in a row they can play three weeks in a row and manage to be just fine after you win that second event it's pure adrenaline right like there's no doubt when you play 12 matches in 14 days you're gonna feel it in your body it doesn't matter who you are and even for benjamin bonsi who's clearly ready to progress out of the challenger ranks and play an exclusively tour level schedule his ranking dictates as much uh, that third week is just adrenaline, and you're going for history, and everything. You're laughing after every victory. You you know you talk to countless players who go through runs like that, and you know I would point to a guy like Stevie Johnson who won I think it was 72 matches in a row his senior year of college, and he was like Alex, you don't understand. By the quarterfinals of NCAs, I didn't have a shoulder anymore, and at that point, it's just pure muscle memory, and you're just like I know how to compete, I know how to win matches. I think three the you know the time off for Bonzi. It kind of let it – it settles in, right, where all of a sudden you're like, what did I just do? Oh, that was awesome. And the urgency and adrenaline you felt through that run, it's just hard to replicate it again early in events. And so I do think it's kind of a schedule loss. Like if I'm him the rest of the season, and I know it's really easy for us to speculate, and shout out to him for chasing these events and the draw, the two draws these past two weeks at the indoor challengers in France have been just out of this world spectacular – but maybe shut it down just at the challenger level for the rest of the season. Go play the ATP level events. Go play – I mean, he could have gotten in probably to Indian Wells qualifying had he wanted to. Maybe that's too much of a logistical challenge. But, you know, again, you, you've done what you need to do at the challenger level. I don't know why – again, credit to Rosencrantz, who I do want to talk about here, what he's done this season. It's his fourth challenger level main draw victory of his career. To do it over a top 100 opponent, that's remarkable – but I do wonder for him, especially just given – because you have to imagine next season he's going to be playing ATP-level events. I will be shocked if we don't see Benjamin Bonzi in one of, what, Delray Beach or whatever warm-up events they plan for Australia. Like, that's probably where he belongs. The question – like, the question is what do you do between now and then to best prepare yourself for that 2022 push? Because I think he's done all he needed to do in 2021, right, Damien? Like, what boxes left to check off for him – at the challenger level, other than, I guess, win a seventh challenger title and set that record. But, like, that's when you get in trouble, I think. That's when a loss like this happens. Yeah, I mean, ranking-wise, he's at such a good place that he literally just could say, okay, I'm ending the season. and <laughs> The next the next two months, I'm not even going to play. Uh, I remember he's on the entry list for 
St. Petersburg and Vienna. So he intends to play some, some major ones to, towards the end of the season. But the, the question for me is what, what is he going to do? Uh, during these weeks, like because obviously he's gonna get a wild card to Paris if he's not getting it automatically, uh, because I don't know he he should probably be on the verge. But what what's he gonna do in these weeks that do not really have a main tour event, or maybe more so they have a main tour event like the ATP Finals, but one that's obviously Bonzi mm-hmm. isn't going to participate in. And I, I suppose even though there there will be like. There's a challenger, I think, starting 8th of November in France. There, there's an indoor event. Rowan is it's a new event. Uh, but there, there's also uh, Helsinki next, the, the, the week after that. So theoretically, there are indoor hardcore ch- European challengers for him to play. But I, I don't think he should he should try a lot of them. Yeah, as you said, I mean, he's, he's, he's already done so well. Uh, unless the record is very important well, for him. Say- but I, I don't think that's really you know something he should be going for yeah here's one more number for you in the last Mm -hmm. 52 weeks and i do want to go last 52 weeks here and not just this season although i'll give you the season number afterwards but you know really since the tour resumed in august yeah the players kind of had back half of november december off but there were some challengers still around and players could go chase matches if you wanted to how many matches has benjamin bonzi played in the last 52 weeks top of your head damien Seventy? I don't know. So seventy would be ridiculous, right? And you look for him in the twenty twenty one season alone, he's fifty seven and twenty three. That's eighty total matches. He's played ninety nine in the last fifty two weeks, Damian. Ninety nine matches. Now he's sixty two and twenty seven. That's freaking awesome. Like that is bravo to you. But that's that's if it's not a record, it's 1970s, 1980s numbers when these guys were just chasing everything for all of the money. And it's just 99 matches is – I don't care how old you are. And you look, he's 25 years old. That is smack dab prime of your career. You're still young enough to recover quickly. You're old enough now to know how to recover properly. At the same time, 99 is a lot. Like I agree. Shut it down till Paris. You're getting into that Masters event if not on your own ranking, although probably on your own ranking – You'll get the wild card. You've earned it. 99, just 2022 is a big year for him because it's a year for him to make jumps. And yeah, he's got a lot of points protected in the back half of the year. But if you want to make that jump from top 75 to top 50, you have to have success at the ATP level. And so, again, I guess not to diminish what Rosencrantz did in his performance, but it is just notable. I just think that 99 number is freaking huge. On the flip side, though, you look for Mats Rosencrantz, who, as I mentioned, uh, I believe now 23 years old is the young German. You look at what he's accomplished here in the 2021 season, 27 and 22 overall. He's had success at the futures level. He's won a title there, made another final, couple quarterfinals and semifinals as well. Your thoughts on his game? I mean, 6-4, lefty. There's always a quality about that to like. At the same time, I do just think it was right match, right time. Like, he just put a lot of pressure on Bonzi, and there's... I mean, that's a skill in itself, but Bonzi just didn't have the answers. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken on these podcasts multiple times that I really enjoy players who can come to the net, who yeah. play aggressively, and, well, Rosenkrantz definitely feeds that. 
I rarely get to watch him, frankly, because ITF streams either are there or they aren't. <laughs> but it it was it was definitely fun to see to see that match against Bonzi. Uh, as I said before, 18 aces. He's got an absolutely huge lefty serve, which I mean, at least we can probably debate whether being left being a lefty is an advantage. But in terms of the serve, it, it usually is. Uh, a fair point is that in the qualies he saved four match points in the in the final round. So he, he, I guess it just kind of further proves how uh, how that game can be, you know, a double-edged sword sometimes because you risk so much, and that's probably why this guy can have a performance like that. But it's not going to happen every single day of the week. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I actually thought he was younger, to be honest, like 21 or something. So, uh, so it's also, you know, that he, he's been there he, uh, for a few years. He's had that game and it's, it's definitely not a player who, you know, you're going to be completely shocked that he, that he got a top 100 win mm-hmm. because the ceiling is very high, but it's super unlikely he's ever going to be bringing that consistently because there's just very little margin for error in his, in his game, in his style. Mm-hmm. And of course, indoor hard courts, he's always going to look best at. And so you can completely understand uh, again, how he was able to play his best tennis, but credit to him, who, again, came through qualifying and is able to get the win here in the first round. Now, you look elsewhere. I mean, this draw is loaded once again. Brutal draw for the third seed. I'm going to butcher his last pronunci- uh, last name pronunciation. Say it for me. I always am intimidated when you're on this show. Goyovchik. Okay, Goyovchik. Perfect. I would not have said that. Peter Goyovchik. Knocked out by last week's challenger champion, Dennis Novak, in three sets. 6-3-4-6-6-3 win for Novak. If you watch, there's just a place for Dennis Novak in the top 100. That's just a brutal draw for both guys. Like, that someone there is getting knocked out first-round challenger speaks to the quality of this draw. You look up and down the board. Again, I believe there have been some results today. I want to say it finished out uh, the round of 32, and I think there's still a round of 16 match playing right now as we speak. But you look uh, up and down the board. I mean, fun matchups for a guy like Thomas Matchak, who I believe, I mean, he was so good at the start of the season on the indoor hard courts. And now we're back on the indoor hard courts. And he gets a good win over Borna Goyo, uh, obviously former Wake Forest NCAA singles finalist. He's now going to take on Andreas Seppi. Seppi went over Fernando Verdasco. Match would have been much cooler back in 2008 as opposed to 2021. Nevertheless, that's a tricky, tough uh, second-round match for the young Czech. Zizou Bergs, another guy who was excellent really through the first half of the season. I don't want to say just the indoor hardcore portion. He was good on the clay as well. He gets a nice win uh, over a young Frenchman, uh, over the young Frenchman to get 7-6-6-3 into the second round. I mean, you look up and down the board, you've got Yuri Veshley still alive as well. He was the world junior number one when I was first really getting into tennis, and so I will always have a soft spot for him. And again, 6-6, lefty, indoor hardcore. That's a recipe for success. When you look up and down the draw, give me the names you're watching most closely this week in France. Yeah, um, as you said, Gojovic Novak on indoor hard in in the first round of a challenger is just sick. Novak won a, a challenger last week and got the well, got the, got the sort of I, I guess the tournament had to sort of give him the rights for an, an additional day of rest because you know most of the first rounds are usually completed on on Tuesday. But and he used that, and uh, it was just you know kind of sick watching because both of the both these guys have a game that 
is basically tailor-made for indoor hardcore conditions and especially something as fast as here because especially on the main tour in the past two weeks we've had these events like uh, Sofia, Nur Sultan where it was okay it indoors maybe the surface kind of boosted but the surface was actually super slow and guys like Novak or Gojovczyk would probably not be a big you know big fans of that uh, but but here it suits them really well uh, again uh, as we mentioned with fitness who knows how how far it can actually take Dennis Novak but I am definitely looking at Vesely even though when you look at his career he I think all but one of his challenger finals were actually on clay which came to me as a big surprise earlier in the season actually on the on the on the Monday edition of the Great Shot Pod, we actually had this debate, sort of maybe, uh, where Jakub was saying that definitely indoors is his best conditions, and I I, I didn't really disagree because you know you, you look at that serve, you look at his especially this these days his movement isn't great. Uh, honestly, to me, I mean th- this is kind of theorizing, but to me sort of looks like he's not having the best time on the court maybe even uh he he had he always had these physical issues like he, one of his legs is even shorter by by, by 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 two or three centimeters so he's always not he's never going to be the healthiest player in the world but right now he he really looks kind of down to me but then again last week he had a good run so i think the uh, at this stage of his career the serve is a lot more uh, you know, he needs that serve a lot more than he did in the past, and and probably his best days on clay are sort of over. Mm-hmm. So I, I am definitely looking at Vesely. Also, Mas Morain hasn't even played yet, mm-hmm. but this is a guy. You know, if if you get, if you get him indoor hard fast conditions, then that's a guy I'm looking at. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think you look up and down the board. There are definitely, I would say, six, seven guys who you just feel like if they play their best tennis could win this event. But Vesely, just because of what he can do on serve in these conditions, I agree with you. I feel like his best may be a little bit better than the rest of the field. Last question on this challenger before we move on. A bunch of young French uh, Frenchmen in the draw. You've got Harold, uh, Harold Mayotte, uh, of course, who earned a first-round win over fellow Frenchman Antoine Huang in his first-round match, 7-6-6-3. You had, uh, I believe, I'm going to butcher his name, but uh, Tituan Druguet. Druguet, sure, we'll go with it, uh, who was a qualifier in this event. The 20-year-old knocked out 6-2 and two by Ricardus Barrancas. You also had Arthur Fee, of course, the talented young Frenchman wild card knocked out by Zizou Bergs. If I would have told you 10 years ago that of the Sangha, Simone, Gasquet, Monfils generation, it was going to be Monfils as the last guy in the top 15, I think we all would have been like, no chance. That's not going to be the case. And look where we are now. All of that said, you know, again, this young generation of Frenchmen, they've had some success at the junior level. They've had some success at the ITF level. Are you sold on any of them yet at the challenger level moving forward? Is there a leader in the clubhouse you like particularly? I mean, even this year at Roland Garros, they had four four boys singles semifinalists, which was which was absolutely crazy. Three of them are already trying out in in these events. Uh, well, 
fees and Becci Pericard, uh, Giovanni Becci Pericard, who wasn't here actually, but mm. I, I think he was in the qualities, but never mind. Uh, well, basically, they're probably going to be leaders in the future, but for now, you know, the, the game is still very raw. There's a lot of power, but not not much knowledge on how to use it. And it's al always quite hard to just, you know, compare it to guys like uh, Harold Mayo, who also won a, a boys singles slam, and Luca Vanasha, who won the Ron Garros, who won Ron Garros this year. Uh, they're definitely more solid and more just, you know, at this point, just understand what to do on the on the courts better. Like especially Mayo is, is is an interesting case because back. This year, for the runner-up of that Australian Open 2020, Artur Kazo had some fantastic runs this year. Mm -hmm. uh, who did he defeat? Corda, Manarino, right? Cor mm -hmm. Corda in Madrid and uh, Manarino in Geneva. Uh, but, uh, well, my... When you just take a look back at, I don't know, 2000, early 2020 or even the latter half, uh, Mayo is definitely looking like the... Maybe not the bigger prospect, but the guy who was way ahead and then my own i can't remember what was the issue was it his elbow or something but he pretty much missed half a year then came back you know slowly through the futures missed a match point against morain a couple of weeks ago i think that was actually ren that, that and morain went on to reach the final mm -hmm. so uh, he's clearly not playing that poorly and against antoine Onki, it was also a, a very solid performance uh, you know, Oang is also really good indoors. So I don't know. It, when it's this fast, I believe he might struggle to defeat Vesely. Just you know, just handle that serve. But this is someone uh, who could realistically, like maybe maybe he doesn't have the uh, the huge weapons that some of these younger, some of these guys two or one year younger than 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 he have. But he, this is a guy who simply is at the moment ahead in in development for me uh i will also say one more word about an old frenchman who's here because kenny the shepherd won uh, won his first challenger match in two years and i guess that that just kind of you know requires um uh, you know, giving giving him some sort of a round of applause <laughs> uh obviously years ago he was a top 100 player but always you know, just despite his career going south, he stuck around. He played ITFs for for a very long time, and it's just very good to see him. You know, I, I think he's thirty four at the moment, so obviously he he doesn't have to retire just yet. But it, it's just great to see him see that after so many issues, so many struggles, he he's back in there. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree with you, and it should be a really fun Thursday. You've got seven of the eight round of 16 matches being played, and you know a lot of those are going to go on before the action at Indian Wells starts. So perfect kickoff to your tennis viewing experience on Thursday. Now with that in mind, let's move on to our next challenger. Of course, we've got the action happening over in Barcelona. They had half of their round of 16 matches off the board here today. You look at the results. You had a win uh, from number two seed Alex Mulcan, another guy who's played a ton of matches, Damian, over the past 52 weeks. He has had a ton of success, obviously, during that stretch of time, made the third round of the U.S. Open here this season. Uh, he earns a 1-6 victory to advance to another challenger quarterfinal. You also had a win from Nicola Kuhn, a guy who I believe we talked about last week, right, in terms of one of your guys to watch. 5-2 and two over Nikola Miljovic on clay courts. 
It's a really nice win for the still surprisingly young Spaniard. I think he's the Spanish Kozlov. Is that a good comp? Like, just in terms of their career trajectories, not playing style, but just like... Okay, yeah. yeah yes, yeah, yeah, career yeah. trajectories is fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, purely trajectories, yeah. nothing yeah, about that, style. That's true, yeah. I mean, you know, early yeah. of the gate, early, quick out of the gate, and then go down and suddenly you know the past few months well, for in, ca- in the case of Kuhn it's pretty much a month yeah because it, I think we can just count it since since stretching and then hopefully a longer period of of greatness yeah no exactly and you know they are jo- those two guys Kuhn and Mulcan joined by two freshmen uh Frenchmen excuse me not freshmen Frenchmen uh Matteo Martineau uh qualifier in this event he knocks out last week's winner Dimitri Popko 7662 and Alexandre Muller uh a win over uh Cosano 6362 to advance to your quarterfinals as well you look at the round of 16 matches we'll get tomorrow Zoomher versus Kuzmanov Gabashvili versus our guy Nuno Borges of course you've got Horansky taking out Nicolas Alvarez, Verona, Hugo Gaston, your top seed, taking on Krutjek, uh of the lucky loser here in this event. What are you watching for most closely as you follow the action in Barcelona? Yeah, as you said, I mean, Nuno is playing a lot better in recent weeks. He hasn't really hit that peak level since the you know since getting these two ankle injuries. But with the draw he has, I mean, Gabashvili is obviously not exactly relevant anymore so so he should probably be uh be in the quarters i imagine uh kun molchan is a fantastic match like that, that that's that's what i'm definitely going to watch on friday because you know the quarters are going to be on friday as you said we talked about kun i i i'm i'm super glad that this sort of rejuvenation <laughs> renaissance of his career is still lasting uh, because the guy has some crazy potential, and it's it, it was easy to forget why if you if you watched him a couple of times in the 2020 or 2021 season, uh, Molchan was was okay last week was was just as good as he needed to be so far. So this is going to be a very uh, a very tough match for Kuhn, I imagine. He he you know he needs to play his game, so he needs to play very aggressive from the baseline, which is sort of exactly what Molchan likes but but then again we uh you know he, he he's not exactly into dictating play himself so so that, that that's you know a matchup advantage is probably for Molchan there but if if Kuhn is playing just as well as he's been in the past three weeks I I definitely wouldn't count him out there was also well Hugo Gaston I guess deserves a mention because he's been he actually is very close to doing something that happens quite rarely uh, because most of the players that are in the top 100 uh, have a challenger title. Gaston still doesn't have it. And it's it's fairly possible that he actually gets there without winning one. Right now it's only Milos Raonic and like in recent memory it was definitely Bryden Schnur. Both of these guys still haven't still haven't won it. I don't know if that's even interesting, but I, I'm looking at that for sure. Also, Tommy Robredo played for the first time since Wimbledon, but the less the less said about his match, the better. So yeah, no, it makes me sad. We had Tommy Robredo on the podcast once, and it was just mm. a horrible internet connection, and so the internet mm-hmm. uh, the interview just didn't go particularly well. And it always makes me sad now when I hear I'm just like, that's one that got away. That's one I'd like to redo. But uh, to add to some of the things you said on Nuno, you know, 33 and 15 overall this year, 13 and 11 
at the challenger level. He's made a final. He's made a semifinal, couple quarterfinals in there as well. Now, most, if not all of that success, I believe, has come on clay courts. In fact, I do think all of it has come on clay courts. And obviously, we're back on that surface here. And you know, if you've watched him play his kick serve out wide on the add forehand plus one forehand combo, it just works. That's an ATP weapon. And I think the athleticism will come and certainly on the clay courts, it helps his movement. And obviously he's a guy who has had a bunch of different injuries, but you know, you look at the advanced metrics, he's 184 by ELO rating. He's 217 in the points race. He's currently ranked 273. He should be higher than that. Like I think he's a top 200 guy, and I think we're going to see him get into the top 200. I hope we see him make a top 100 push because, obviously, friend of the show. But also, I, I do think one of the underrated college talents of the 2010s. He was that good throughout his time in uh, the college tennis universe. Uh, but, no, I, he's one to watch. And I just think across the board in Barcelona, it is a really another high-quality field. And these are all players who – it's just interesting to see the scheduling choices because it did, does feel like Indian Wells' qualities were pretty open. Um, and for a bunch of these players, it's like, nah, I'm just going to stick around, play, mm-hmm. play the challengers. There are a bunch more uh, playing opportunities. But any final thoughts on Barcelona? Uh, just it, it's not about Barcelona, but do you remember what the cutoffs for Indian Wells qualities was in in like recent times? Well, usually, it's a little higher, obviously, than it was this year. Yeah, I'll, I think so, right? And there's just a bunch of people who pulled out for various different reasons. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. even didn't Arthur Rindernesh pull out of Indian Wells as well? I think he might have. I think Ivashka might have. Uh, just a bunch of people who were certainly you'd expect to see in the draw or have created an opportunity for themselves. It's just been a lot of tennis over the last 15 months. And so I do think you're starting to see those numbers add up for a bunch of different players. But again, that's your action over in Barcelona, second half of the round of 16 scheduled to, for tomorrow. So I'm just, I just wanted to say one more thing. Yes, that's, please. Well, Nuno Borges is going to get to the top 100 if he, like in his career. If yeah. he doesn't, you can obviously, you know, call me out on this but no i would never I, I because i'm with you i just don't see how he doesn't like it's i i i really don't understand how he's i mean i understand how he's still 2270 but we've seen in a story for example this year or or in the challengers earlier especially in portugal but not only that this guy is just going to go up mm-hmm. no the game just makes sense he's got yeah, the pro weapons completely. It, it, it all catches up. I agree with you. And he's a guy, that's another thing where it's just, why do I advocate for college tennis? It just really helps to win a lot. He's a guy who's won so many college, uh, so many matches in his career. And you can see it in the late stages. He just works his way into points and will come up with the forehand when he needs it. And that's, you can't put a price tag on that confidence that he gained throughout his four years. But again, that's the action over in Barcelona. Let's stick in Europe for our final European event over in Italy. I believe they're playing in Napoli here this week. You look at the field we have thus far. I believe of the top eight seeds, it's only Gianessi and Giustino who have been knocked out thus far. High quality field entering the round of 16. Stefano Travaglia, who won a uh, challenger last week. He's in this field. Andre Martin has had a ton of success. He's in the field. Another former top 100, former college player, Yannick Hoffman. He's uh, made the round of 16. Three-set win for him over wildcard Luca Nardi uh, of Italy. And you look for Hoffman. I think he's won like 60% of his matches, including at the ATP level on clay courts uh, over the past year. That includes, obviously, the clay court final he made 
uh, at the beginning of the restart last season. Stenek Kolar's had a ton of success this year on the clay courts. He's into the round of 16. Talon Garikspor, challenger champion, I believe, last week. He's into the round of 16. It's a really fun field, Damien. What are you watching most closely? Yeah, I'm definitely looking at Hanfman. That was someone I also talked about a lot on Monday in the in the challenger edition of the of the great shot pod and well we even even last week we've been talking a lot about the Yannick Hanfman I know because his game is so you, fascinating yeah we we definitely mentioned his kick serve uh last week when we when when we got onto that pod about the the, the challenger players to watch um but someone that I that will be featured in an article that uh, that I'm writing soon for the for the website <laughs> Still haven't gotten to it, by the way. Sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, I was to say, you can add the French players to your assignment as well because that feels inevitable too. We're just going to work you across mm-hmm. all the European countries. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I don't know if that's... I'm actually talking about the other uh, the other article. Yeah, of course. Um, no, I know. I'm just saying you can add that one to mm-hmm. the list. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. see. Uh, but the I, I'm not sure if that's... well. Let maybe let's say what the what the article idea is about guys who are you know twenty six to twenty eight, I guess, and never have been in the in the top one hundred. Mm-hmm. So so basically looking for guys like Aslan Karatsev. Mm-hmm. Obviously, most of them are not going to be as successful. But I'm basically looking at guys who have big top one hundred potential, but never really realized it. And well, I'm planning a section at the end where there's like long shots. Like these are actual long shots. Like I, I I'm not gonna lie, but Ricardo Bonadio is probably gonna be there. <laughs> I like that. I mean, that is a long shot. Let's be clear. Yeah. But why not make the case? You got to have fun with these articles. And for the record, think about a guy like Marcos Giron as well, right? That's another player who, well, and it was injuries too, but. That's part of the factor of why you don't make the top 100 when you're younger. Do you remember the Brian Baker run? Were you, con- yep. you know, t- tennis conscious for that? I. That's another guy who had made the top 100s, fallen out versus injuries. Now he's getting back in. The point of your article is going to be guys who have never cracked it before, who we still think have a shot of doing so. But I don't hate it. I mean, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I mean, uh, the, I'm probably a bit uh you know and then biased by the simple pleasure that i get from watching his one hander but he's definitely a guy that is way more solid than what his results suggest to me uh i i've seen some really fantastic clay court matches of his obviously he's basically only a clay court specialist but this is this is a long shot but then again victor estrella burgos i think cracked the top 100 at 35 or 30 no i think he did at 32 and lorenzi at 34 or, or the other way anyhow i mean it, it, it's always possible and uh, bonadi was someone i just you know just went down the ranking list and i was like yeah that, that's a guy <laughs> i want to that's a guy i believe has a lot more potential than he's showing uh, obviously the long shot category I, I can say that one of the guys that I'm also thinking of for that one was um, which event? I think in Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona. Uh, Dimitar Kuzmanov. Sure. I like that one a little bit better than I like. Okay. I, I can see his game because he's got the speed. He can play the athleticism to play ATP level matches. It's just kind of a question of do the ground strokes always hold up? Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I see that one. I like that one. That that's just yeah. a, that's a good name. Um, I think one of the one of the criteria is pretty much who uh, always looks good in, uh, in just against higher ranked opposition. Sure, sure. And I mean every single start that Kuzmanov had in Sofia, exactly. as you know, obviously all of them were as a wild card, but every yeah, and you you have to factor in that it's at home and all. But basically, he always looked competitive, whoever it was. Like, so so that's uh, yeah but but we're getting you know really off topic here no, but Huntman has a fun. Huntman has a terrible draw honestly mm-hmm. like Nardi is probably one of the most talented Italian juniors then we've got Pellegrino who mm-hmm. was in the finals last week obviously is super streaky but nine Italians into the round of 16 here in Napoli I'm I think Americans have done something similar at a carry challenger before but that is impressive yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's even wilder ITFs. Like t- two weeks ago, there was one in in Brazil where yeah. forty five out of forty eight contestants were Brazilian, I think. <laughs> and both these guys lost uh, in the first round or qualies, like all three of them. Mm-hmm. So, so it was literally Brazil versus Brazil until it's the end of awesome. the week. Quite, quite funny. I I didn't know how often that happens. That was the first time I spotted it. But anyhow, uh, then he can place Danek Kolash, who already won three three hundred titles this year. So it's it's pretty crazy, honestly. And one second round that you sh- you and all listeners and everyone on the planet should definitely watch tomorrow is Stefano Travaglia, Flavio Cobaldi. Uh, obviously, a very experienced Italian who's already uh, done a lot uh, at the major level. Maybe not necessarily recently, but even in back in January, he reached uh, a two-level final. And he's playing Flavio Cobaldi, who's definitely one of these not 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 a junior anymore, but uh, 18, I believe, and and definitely definitely a fantastic talent i did did they play recently maybe they were supposed to i I can't i can't remember uh i think maybe 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 they were around away from playing each other so that that's that's all italian matchup is definitely something i'm I'm going to try to watch although i'm tomorrow i'm at the university all day but i found that most of my teachers do not really care if i watch tennis on their their so quickly bucharest round of 16 travaglia 2664-62 win over kabotli uh oh they they did play yeah they did did. yeah i'm just looking at yeah no, so hey, great shot to you. That's that's an impressive memory, and I still do think. No, yeah, that I'll... that was like a week ago. Or... <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, but still, again, yeah. speaks to the fact you're on the beat. If people aren't listening on Monday, they really should. Uh, yeah, there's uh, your boy Brana Casio is playing Zdenek Kolar tomorrow. That's a battle. That should be uh, a fun one. That's just a grind. Greekspor versus Alexander Richard. That's just what is that match doing on this Napoli? Like that's that's the outlier. That's that's a fun and watching Richard compete on clay. I mean, he plays line drive tennis, and it's just not what you often see on these clay courts. And so, I am looking forward to that. Yeah, I think up and down the board should be a really fun day in Napoli. But of course, that is not. A, we're three up, one more to go. We've got the Santiago Challenger happening as well uh, here this week. I think it's a really critical and we didn't talk about or we talked about it I think briefly when we had you on the challenger players to watch uh last season I tweeted about it earlier today uh last week excuse me I tweeted about it earlier today Francisco Sorondolo has a ton of points to defend 
down the home stretch of this season. Two challenger titles plus a quarterfinal at the end of last year. Now, of course, his brother Juan Manuel Cernandolo was the number one seed at this event. He was knocked out first round by former top 100 player Nicolas Kicker. Uh, six love, six one as well. That is an interesting scoreline to say the least. But you look for Cernandolo. You know, I think it goes one of two ways. He matches those points. He could find himself in the top 100 at the start of next season. He struggles. I mean, we could see him fall back outside the top 200 if he's not careful, if things don't go well. And so you look for Sorondolo. I mean, we're back on the clay courts. His game makes so much sense on that surface. His serve and then the plus one forehand combo, all much like Nuno's, they're just going to work always at the challenger level on the clay courts. The question is, again, a confident Sorondolo and a Sorondolo who doubts himself are just two completely different people. And when you see him confident, you see him stepping inside the baseline, taking the ball early, hitting his backhand aggressively as well. When he's not confident, he's all over the place. And so for him to, you know, grind out a three-set win in his first round match, four and two today over Alexi Galtier, that's it's a good start for him here in Santiago. And again, just to get a quarterfinal on the board early matters a lot to Francisco Serendola. Yeah, I mean, Gautier was kind of injured. He got the trainer out three times. I honestly, like, I'm usually all for players not retiring very early, like tr- still trying when there's a chance. But actually, Gautier really should, shouldn't have been on the courts today. Uh, but anyhow, that that, that, that first round win against Cristiano Rodriguez, I, I remember watching that. And after the second set, it it, it all like felt... Uh, like it, this could be a match that Serundolo at this point uh, at this point in time when his confidence is probably at at an all time low, this is a match he could lose uh, because Cristiano Rodriguez he he doesn't really have you know some crazy potential but he's just very athletic uh, a stupidly good grinder who's super fast and for Serundolo the the issue as he said for me the the confidence mostly affects his well his backhand as well but mostly affected his forehand to be honest like last year when he won these these three challengers he that was an incredible shot like uh <laughs> you could i think you could literally go I don't know, watch like 10 matches of Francisco Serundo all this year and have no idea that he has a good forehand. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that's the that's the reality of how afraid he's been to hit that shot. I mean, I, I imagine it's afraid. Obviously, we don't see it in his head, but but it doesn't seem to be any sort of nagging physical issue. Uh, did, did this top 100 uh, you know, run that uh, Serendolo and also his brother Juan Manuel are doing is actually quite interesting because Juan Manuel could have done it last week, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he got injured in that quarters, which I, I didn't see the match against Kicker, but I imagine that also explains uh, what happened. But Juan Manuel, the, the difference is that Juan Manuel is defending pretty much nothing for 2020 and 2019. Exactly. He had a semi in uh, Montevideo in, late in 2019, so that's like, what, uh, 15 points at this point. He, the only know, thing I would counter is he has an ATP title coming off of it. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. at the start of the season. And so at the, the fact start that, of the season. So yeah. I would, why I just, the, why I brought something up is just, this is his free period. This was the period where, mm-hmm. okay, you earned this in March. Now you've got the rest of the year to make a top 100 push. And I think he did crack the top 100 in the live rankings for a hot second. But obviously he wasn't in at by the end of the week in the top 100. 
that's why that injury stings, not to – no pun intended. But these South American challengers coming up, this is – like as much as – as important as it is for Francisco Serendolo to sustain himself near the top 100, this is Juan Manuel's moment to crack the top 100. I think he actually – yeah, he's uh, 100 in the live rankings at the moment. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's live rankings. Yeah. So there, there's so many players. Uh, even even not looking at Indian walls, we've got Beranki, Seppi, mm-hmm. uh, Gombos, like Gaston. It's, it's, it's almost impossible that, that he actually stays in there. But yeah, he's going to have at least a couple of months – obviously off season as well but let's say i don't know uh, a couple of weeks more where he's basically defending nothing and he should basically do it like it's uh, he, he's got a fantastic chance but francisco serendola he needs good results i mean this quarter final is a start uh he might actually have a pretty good chance in in, in his quarters as well because gonzalo lama i i don't i didn't even see how did that match ended honestly i st- i had to stop watching it at some point mm-hmm. but he was injured yet still yet still winning against <laughs> goncalo oliveira because oliveira was doing some very weird things uh yeah uh, gonzalo lama won it in free but he's 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 not 100 physically uh, so this this definitely could be a, a good run for Serendolo. And maybe, as I said, I'm, the, the first round wasn't perfect. The second round was against an opponent who also wasn't 100%. But sometimes that that's just all you need. That doesn't really matter maybe for that, you know, get, getting rid of that mental block. You only need to win a couple. Actually, uh, there's a similar player who was also super close to the top 100. Uh, Carlos Taberner had this match mm-hmm. in Seville, I believe where he played against Pedro Martinez in the semis. And if he won, that would have secured him the top 100 debut. And then the 2020 points started dropping. <laughs> and yeah. right now he's like, he dropped from 101 to 117 with uh, yeah uh, the week after. Right now he's getting close again, but he's playing in Indian Wells. So, you know, it's hard court. It's not perfect conditions for him. This is similarly to Francisco Serendolo. This is a player that was one match away, but it's very, very possible that he doesn't do it, actually. I I, I don't know. Well, we can't really know that yet, but uh, I'm assuming Taberner will also come, come to South America because mm-hmm. that's really that's really where the points are at the moment. Yeah. No, no doubt. And you look for Sorrendolo here this year, Francisco, 29 and 17 overall. I mean, he has won, I believe, two, uh, or he's won, yeah, uh, no, won one challenger, one, yeah. made two other challenger finals, lost final round qualifying at the U.S. Open, Wimbledon, and French Open. Now got that lucky loser into the French Open main draw, but no doubt. I mean, he's 109 right now in the rankings, reached his career high of 103 last week. You know, this was where all of the points have sort of, you know, this was the end of his run to make a top 100 push with all of the challenger success he's had over the past 12 months. And now he's playing defense. And so it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, two big wins here early in the week where he goes from here. Shout out to the birthday brother, Juan Pablo Varias, 6-6 six six uh, win over mm-hmm. Casanova. Oh, sorry, yeah, you have another thing. Yeah, Serendolo. no, no, no. Uh, Serendolo, actually, even if he won this week, he wouldn't be in the top 100 because really? he's dropping 65 points this week. Oh, yeah, yeah that's brutal. Francisco, that's, Francisco, of yeah, course, of course that not, is, no, not that's, that's brutal. Manual. But, of course, you know, again, still looking up and down the draw, 
the only really I sp- oh I mean I guess six seven and eight seeds all knocked out now Diego Torante who we talked about extensively on that great shot podcast last week so we don't have to repeat ourselves again here this week but he knocked out Landero two and three uh, Fasundo Diaz Acosta's win over Tomas Barrios Vera in three sets surprised me Gonzalo Lama earning the win over Melgini in three. I don't want to say it was shocking, but certainly that's an upset. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Serendolo, Delian, Sebastian Baez, who has been so good at the challenger level this season on clay. Even Nicholas Kieker, if he's going to be healthy and locked in. It's a lot of talent up and down the board here. What else are you watching closely this week in Santiago? Yeah, maybe maybe even Nicholas Jari. I honestly don't think he's playing that, that much worse. Uh, I'm kind of surprised he didn't really do show up on the altitude clay because that, yeah. that seems that seems like good with conditions his serve, for him. His, yeah, with his yeah. pace, you would think. Maybe the kick. Uh, I guess the kick surf is effective too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tirante Varias, if it happens, Tirante beat Gerald Netzer, I think, two weeks ago, but that was also altitude. If it happens, it's a huge quarterfinal, but they, they you know they still need to win tomorrow. But they played the finals in Ombato. Uh, was a very good match. Again, it, it just feels like Ambato and Quito are going to be so different to these. So uh, I really want to check how, how that looks. And Hugo and Camilo Gokarabelli was the final last week. So what more do you want from, from the second round of a uh, of a challenger? Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Again, it should be really fun week of action. And of course, you'll be recapping all of that next Monday on the Great Shot Podcast. Now, before I let you go, Indian Wells predictions. Men's singles champ, women's singles champ. Give it to me, Damien. Who you got? Uh, I don't think I even looked at the draw, to be honest. It's good. Don't even uh, look at it. Just give me gut no, reaction. The, no, no looking? Yeah, come on. I Dra- guess... Draws are overrated. Okay, let's say that. Um, <laughs> I guess Medvedev wouldn't really like the conditions, even though that was you know who, who my mind went to first. Yeah. So so maybe maybe someone like Zverev because City pass again. Indian Wells is so slow. So you know maybe maybe Lord Voldemort then. <laughs> why not? Why not? I mean, yeah. Uh, he's he's obviously a fantastic tennis player, and yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. And as for the women, I saw that Emara Ducano is, is the uh, is the top favorite from the you know according to the bookies. Yeah, the odds makers. Which. Honestly, with how open the draws in Indian Wells, I I can understand that, but it's such a big question mark that mm-hmm. I just I just wouldn't be able to to get into that. Uh, this is this is really tough, but obviously, as always, picking any, uh, anything outright. Yeah, name of a hat, side. name out of a hat on the women's side. I, 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 maybe I have to I have to look at the draw now. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna. Let's say Naomi Osaka gets some. Is she playing? No, not playing. One more. <laughs> no, she's take not two. playing. Yeah. Yeah. Leave it in, though. Yeah. I like it. Let, okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not, not going to no. you know, get it correct at, uh, anyway, All right, I'll give so you... I'm going to say Emma Raducanu. Yeah, I like it. I was going to say Mukarusa is a popular pick coming off of the Chicago mm-hmm. title. Yeah, I, I, I lost Mukarusa early in the season, so, so that, that's, a, the, you know, that, that, yeah. that's someone that I really expected uh, she would be able to do more. Yeah, yeah. This It just year, feels yeah. like she's the season with the biggest what-ifs, where it's just like, what if she doesn't mm-hmm. get healthy? Uh, during, uh, what if she doesn't get injured, excuse me, during Charleston? What if she's healthy during the French Open? Why couldn't she have beaten Krejcikova, who she already had beaten earlier in the season? Um, 
yeah, all fascinating, all good picks. People won't really, won't really remember that as a good season of hers, I guess, yeah. from a historical standpoint, un- unless she goes on to, you know, win yeah, but this is what we for do. example. This is our, but, this is, it's our job to make sure they know how good she's been this season. Yeah. That, that's where we come in. But um, no, again, I, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to chat today. I, I I enjoy your picks always, and you know I know listeners know they can hear you every Monday on the Great Shot Podcast. They can read you on our website, CrackedRackets.com. I believe it's at Damien Koost on Twitter as well. Just yep. straight up the name, and of course you've you've uh, you've mentioned it, but just quickly, some of the articles you're working on. Just let our listeners know. A little sneak peek. What have you What have you got in the queue? Yeah, I, I haven't actually started yet. Like, <laughs> good. I, no, this is a good sneak, uh, a true sneak peek. Yeah, but. Uh, there, there, there is one which I already mentioned about the 26, 28 year old guys who might have top 100 potential, or, or in some cases they clearly have it to me. Um, I'm, I, can I also have a Polish corner in there because yeah, I have two guys. Well, one is actually Canadian, but like he might play for Poland soon. I, do you know who I'm talking about? Who? Uh, well, he hasn't really showed that potential recently, and I, I'm honestly probably going to uh, say that he won't do it, but uh, Philippe Parivo. Really? Oh, sure, that makes sense. You're talking about four-time in a single-season Junior Slam finalist, Philippe Parivo. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so so I guess he kind of deserves a shout, and honestly, I don't want to you know, have a Polish corner with just one guy, so <laughs> I, I need I needed to come up with someone else other than Paweł Ciasz. Anyhow... Um, and the second one is about the Italian, uh, all the Italian youngsters that we have right now. I mean, tennis has gone to Italy completely. We've got Turin, we've got Milan, and we've got Andrea Gaudenzi as the ITP president. Uh, so, 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 and people from Italy have been showing up all over the place, even in the challenger draws this week. Uh, you know, you only get three major wildcards. At the moment, uh, the tournament only decides on three players in there. Mm-hmm. So the other ones simply have to get in by ranking. And they simply have such a huge army of guys like, well, obviously, Musetti has already break, broken through. But uh, Luca Nardi, whom we mentioned here, Giulio Zeppieri, maybe even Giuliano Cleppo, uh, obviously, a million of guys. Um, Flavio Cuboli, mm-hmm. whom we also mentioned, obviously, another million of guys who just won't come to my mind at the moment. <laughs> no, there's... So many that you had to write about them all. I agree. But as always, Damien, we appreciate having you on the show. Thank you for taking the time to chat. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We will talk soon. Hope all of you enjoyed today's episode, Chatting Challengers with Damien Koost. A huge thank you to him, as always, for taking the time to come on the show. You can read all of his work on our website, crackrackets.com. You can read him at Last Word on Tennis. You can also hear him every Monday on the Great Shot Podcast, breaking down all things happening at the ATP Challenger Tour with co-host Jakob Bobro, of course. We're about to pivot to our Indian Wells coverage, and we'll be recapping each day's action here on this feed. We previewed the men's and women's event on our Great Shot podcast feed. David Kane joined me to chat about the women's event. Amy Lundy, first-time guest to chat about the men. Of course, we'll have GSP Ace of the Day segments every day throughout the event as well to offer a preview of each day's action match of the day segments for our Patreon family as well. If you're interested in hearing those, supporting our work, you can find more information and all of our content on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review this show, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked 
interviews, and all of our CR content. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Pod. A shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout-out as well to our friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that said, for our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back.